I, I have been preparing for a long time. <laughs> and it's so funny because when I finally, how many overthinkers do we have in the room? <laughs> Everybody. If you say you're not, then you're lying because I know ladies and I know women. I mean, we, we overthink everything. And it's like, <gasps> and then God's going, okay, are you done yet? Are you done yet? And then finally he, he's like, he gave me what I was supposed to talk about. Um, one thing that um, has been on my heart, and I know it's been on my heart because it's, it is something that is on the Father's heart, is obviously having conversation, is going out and talking to people. Um, Matthew 9.38, if you'll put that up in the Amplified You'll have it. Matthew 9.38. If you have your Bibles, you can open up your Bibles to Matthew 9.38. I know we know this. We know this. This church knows this. Jesus is praying and he's talking and he is praying to the Lord of the harvest. And he says to force out and thrust laborers into the harvest. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors. That's in the New King James. But in the Amplified, it uses the word to force out and thrust labors. To force and thrust out, I looked it up. And it, when, I, when I think of, of thrust or a force, I think of a rocket. Do we have a picture of our rocket? Let's put up our rocket. Thrust is a mechanical force and it's generated most often through the reaction of accelerating a mass of gas, right, power behind the engine. It accelerates and it produces and it's forcing, driving. There you go. So Jesus was praying that laborers be thrust or forced out into the harvest. Okay, I had this in my mind. I saw this and I'm going, yes, okay, God, I got it. He is praying that we will make a difference out there, right? That's what he's praying. Are we ready to receive the word tonight? Mm. Father, we love you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you that in my insufficiency, you are sufficient. I thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that is the teacher tonight. Use my words, use my vocal cords, Father, that I will only speak what you would have me to speak. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. To go forward with power. Um, We know that, okay, when I think of going out and being forced and thrust out, I thought of that rocket ship. And the other thing I thought of was a trike. And I want y'all to look at that and just think about it. I don't know if y'all can see it. Can y'all see that tricycle? I was going to get on it and try to ride it, but I'm not going to. Um, So the opposite of being thrusted out is dragging, right? Um, The opposite of force is weakness. It's spiritlessness. It's reluctance. It's lazy. It's lack of skill or ability. It's indifference. I wrote down on the side, there's a scripture that says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't have insight or understanding or no word. We all know that the word of God, it says, is the entrance or the unfolding of the word of God. 
brings light to the simple and we are the light of the world. Jesus told us, right? We are the light of the world. I know a lot of times we think, what do I have to offer? And then there's a lot of us in this room that have had ministry. Y'all have been serving. You've, you, you're walking in God's ways. And the Lord reminded me, in fact, he told me yesterday after I'd been studying for, I don't know, a month, two months, three months, he said, don't discount your light. Don't discount your light. Um, I used to pastor with my first husband years ago down the street. And the kids were little. And I remember parking. And some of y'all have heard this story. I remember parking at the Albertsons off of Sycamore or in McCart. Um, and thinking... Am I making a difference? Has anyone ever asked themselves that question or asked God? God, I've spoken to this person. I've been talking to that person. I've been trying to shine my light. I'm trying to, to, you know, do everything I'm supposed to. I'm not seeing anything happen. And he reminded me of that. And that's what don't discount your light means. Don't get so caught up. He told me, and I looked for the little paper today. I looked in my old Bible to see if I could find that paper where I'd written it. But it says, basically, God's saying, don't get so caught up, worried, thinking about whether you're effective in your ministry or whatever God's told you to do. Your thinking or my trying to evaluate in the natural whether what I obeyed or I did was supernatural is so silly. It's really foolish. Because the result of that is weariness or burnout. When you think that you're not making a difference and you keep doing the same thing and you're, you're, you're faithful and you're, you know, and you think no one's changing, no one, nothing's happening. Isn't burnout pretty much the result if you think nothing is changing? That's it. Um, I want us to look at Ephesians. Ephesians 5. Ephesians verse 6 and I'm going to read it says let no one delude and deceive you with empty excuses and groundless arguments for through these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons or sons of rebellion it says or disobedience it says so don't associate or be sharers with them Verse 8, for once you were in darkness, but now you are light. Actually, it doesn't say you were in. It says for once you were darkness. Once you were darkness, but now you are light. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, it says. For the fruit of the light of the spirit in every form of of kindly goodness, uprightness of heart, and trueness of life. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Let your lives be constant proofs of what is acceptable to him. Verse 11, it says, Take no part and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness, but instead let your lives be so in contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. Okay, my life will reprove and convict them. Not 
me telling them that what they're doing is wrong, okay? All right? Do we understand that? Um, I'm going to skip to verse 14. It says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine. Make day dawn upon you and give you light. Hallelujah. The message says, the message translation says, Awake, O you sleeper, and let Christ's light shine on you, through you. These are desperate, urgent times. Okay? Um, I came across this story, and I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to try to read it to you. Because I know a lot of us think that our lives aren't making a difference. And... Um, Let me tell you the second part of what God told me. He said, don't discount your light, but your conversation is the dimmer switch. Your words are the dimmer switch to your light, okay? Back in 1921, there was a missionary named David and Svei Flood. And they went with their two-year-old son from Sweden to the heart of Africa, which was called back then Belgian Congo. They met up with another young Scandinavian couple, the Ericsons, and the four of them sought for God's direction. Um, The name of this story is Aggie, a girl without a country. In those days of much devotion and sacrifice, they felt led of the Lord to set out into this remote area And it was a huge step of faith. They went to this village called Andolera. And they were met up with the chief who told them that they could not enter the town because of fear of alienating their local gods. So the two couple opted to go half a mile up the slope and they built their own mud huts. They prayed for a spiritual breakthrough, but there was none. Their only contact with the villagers was a young boy who was allowed to come and sell chickens and eggs to them twice a week. Svei Flood, she was a tiny woman, only four feet, eight inches tall, decided that if this was the only African she could talk to, she would try to lead the boy to Jesus. She succeeded. But there were no other encouragements the whole time they were there. Meanwhile, malaria struck one of the members of the little band... And the Ericsons decided that they'd had enough suffering and left to return to the mission station closer to town. David and Svei Flood remained near Dolera to care on alone. And of all things, Svei found herself pregnant and in the middle of this wilderness. And when the time came for her to give birth, the village chief decided to let her have a midwife. And a little girl was born and her name was, they named her Anya. The delivery was very exhausting, and Svei Flood was already weak from bouts of malaria. The birth process was a heavy blow, and she lived only 17 days. Inside David Flood, something snapped in that moment. He dug a crude grave and buried his 27-year-old wife, and then took his children back down to the mountain to the mission station. He gave his newborn daughter to the Ericsons, and he snarled. Listen to his words. I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife, and I obviously can't take care of this baby. God has ruined my life. With that, he headed to the port, rejecting not only his call, his calling, but God himself. Within eight months, both the Ericsons were stricken with a, a, a mysterious sickness, and they died within days of each other. 
The baby was then turned over to another American missionary who adjusted her Swedish name and called her Aggie and eventually took her back to the United States. The family loved her, but they were afraid to ever return back to Africa thinking there would be some legal obstacles and wouldn't be able to bring her back. So they decided to stay in their home. They switched their missionary work to pastoral work, and Aggie grew up in South Dakota. She attended North Central Bible College, and she eventually married a young man named Dewey Hurst. They enjoyed a fruitful ministry. They had a family. Her husband became a president of the Christian College in the Seattle area, and she was always intrigued about Scandinavian heritage. Listen to this. One day, a Swedish religious magazine appeared in her mailbox. She had no idea who had sent it, of course, and she couldn't read the words. So she immediately went out. She turned the pages, and she saw a photo that stopped her cold. There was a cross where the words said, Sve flood. She immediately jumped her in her car and she went out to the college and she knew someone who could translate it and she said to them, what does it say? The instructor summarized the story. He said, it's about missionaries who had come to Delare long ago. There was the birth of a white baby, the death of a young mother, one little African boy who had been led to Christ and how after the whites had all left, this boy grew up and finally persuaded the chief to let him build a school in the village. The article says that gradually he won all the students to Christ. The children led their parents to Christ. Even the chief became a Christian. Today there are 600 Christian believers in that village, all because of the sacrifice of David and a flood. For the Hearst 25th wedding anniversary... They decided to go to Sweden. You know what Aggie's doing. She sought out her real father. He had remarried. He'd had four more children. And he had basically dissipated his life with alcohol. He was very bitter. He'd had a stroke. He had one rule in his family. He said, never mention the name of God because God took everything from me. After she met up, she had an emotional reunion with her brothers and her half-brothers and sisters She said, can I see father? And the other said, you can talk to him. He's very sick, but let me tell you what. Do not mention the name of God because he'll fly into a rage. Aggie wasn't deterred. She walked into the apartment. There were liquor bottles everywhere. She approached this old man dying. And she says, Papa. He turned and began to cry. And he says, Aina, I never meant to give you away. It's all right, Papa, she says. God took care of me. The man instantly stiffened. She said, God. The tears stopped. God forgot all about us, he says. Our lives have been like this because of him. And he turned his back to the wall. Aggie strokes his face and she says, Papa, I've got a little story to tell you. And it's a true one. You did not go to Africa in vain. Mama did not die in vain. The little boy you won to the Lord grew up in that whole in that village and won the whole village to Jesus. The one seed you planted just kept growing and growing. And so she tells them there's 600 African people there serving the Lord because you were faithful, Papa, because of your call on your life. Jesus loves you and he's never hated you. He ends up coming back to the Lord. A few years later... Aggie and her husband are at a conference in London, England, and 
and there's a report given from the nation of Zaire, which was the former Belgian Congo. The superintendent of the National Church, representing 110,000 baptized believers, spoke. Aggie couldn't help but ask him afterwards, have you ever heard of David and Svay Flood? The man says, yes, madame, in French. His words being translated into English, he said, it was Svay Flood who led me to Jesus Christ. I was the boy who brought food to your parents before you were born. In fact, to this day, your mother's grave and her memory are honored by all of us. They embraced for a long time and sobbed. And then he continued. He said, you've got to come to Africa and see because your mother is the most famous person in our history. They do end up going and they're cheered by all the villagers. She also met the man who her father had hired to carry her down the mountain in a little cradle hammock that he had made. The most dramatic moment, of course, was when the pastor escorted Aggie to see her mother's white cross for herself. She knelt in the soil to pray and give thanks. Later that day, the pastor read from John 12, 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I want you to know that what you do matters. You know... We've got to get God's perspective on this because even as I was studying, you know, I saw the rocket. I also asked Rachel to show me a picture of the fastest car because I'm thinking we've got to go out there. You know, we've got to do it. And we get an idea here of what it's supposed to look like, right? And my whole idea with the trike was, you know, there's the rocket going fast and then there's this going slow, But after I read that story, (laughs) the Holy Ghost told me it's the same. It's exactly the same. We have a different perspective of we think we're not doing what God has called us to do. But yet, you know, you think I'm just ministering to my family. You know, I'm just called to minister. I'm ministering to my mom. I'm ministering to my cousins. I'm ministering to my children. I'm ministering to my husband. I'm just a voice. I'm a light to. I'm. We put anytime you put just in front of anything, you downplay it, and we discount our light. We really don't think that we're making a difference. And you heard that story. David Flood didn't think he made a difference at all. And he gave up on God. He spent a whole life giving up on God, blaming God for his wife dying. And, you know, you can say or think, I mean, it's all about what our perspective, right? It's what we think, you know. I was thinking, I've got to be a rocket. And God's going, just go. Just be a light. Just be a light. There's so many opportunities. Be a light. You know that word light in the Hebrew? O-H-R means order to something chaotic. It means bringing order. Or make ready or prepare. One thing that defines God's kingdom is order. How many of y'all know that? And Jesus later tells his disciples in Matthew 5. He tells them. 
you are the light of the world. We're supposed to bring order to the people that are in chaos. We're supposed to shine. In fact, that word also means to point to God. When we're a light through our words, through our actions, through our decisions, through our choices, we're pointing people to God, right? We bring order in the way we talk. We bring order in the way we shine. Amen. Um, I read this quote. It says, how well you love people is how you can gauge whether or not God is doing something in someone's life. How many of y'all know we're going to be, we, every day we're faced with, um, Joyce Landorf wrote a book and I read it years and years ago when I was in college. It's called How to Love the Unlovable. Those are the ones that don't want to be loved. Those are the ones that need to be loved. You know, the ones that um, in your office are rude or at your school or in your classroom or wherever, you know. And God's called us to be light. Be light. Be light. Not in their face telling them what they're doing and what what they're not doing right or wrong. It was interesting. um, We have a church in Melbourne or we have pastors that are, we're connected, that are connected with us. And he's teaching his people about being a light in their community. And he, I asked if I could share his quote. He said, a light without love becomes harsh, but love without light becomes powerless. Not good. A light without love becomes harsh. You know, can you imagine just this light constantly in your face telling you, showing you what you're, I mean, that's why a lot of people, when we walk into the room, you know, because they know what you stand for, they walk out (laughs) because they don't want to hear it or, but we're called to love people. We're called to um, shine God's love in people. Now, I want us to turn to Psalms 50. Psalms 50. I want us to look at Psalms 50. Because I know that God was showing me something that he wanted me to share. Psalms 50. I want us to look at verse 53. It says... In the Amplified, it says, he who brings, he who brings, that means you cause or make something to happen. He who brings an offering of praise and thanksgiving honors and glorifies me. And he who orders his way aright, who prepares the way that I may show him, to him I will demonstrate the salvation of God. There's another translation that says, he who orders his conversation aright, it says. It's not just your way, but it's your conversation. He who orders his conversation aright, he will I show the salvation of God. It means you've prepared what you're going to say. Your heart is already prepared before you, you go and talk to someone, right? 
you have to order your conversation. If y'all are girls and if y'all are women, we all know how to give orders. How many of y'all know how to give orders? Can I hear an amen? But the word says we're to order our words. Our words are important. Our words are what shine, right? Our words are exactly what shine. That's why God said to me, don't discount your light. But he said, but your words are the dimmer switch. What you say. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. I'm receiving this. Um, I looked up orders and it said in, um, I was looking it up in the Strong's. It says, he who orders is attentive to his going, seeks to walk in the right path, is careful about his conduct, that it's in accordance with the rules God's prescribed. One who determines or chooses that he will pursue God in a way, and in, in God's way. He will do things the way God tells him to do. And in most cases, it's going to start with your mouth, with our conversation. Our words will determine our future, our outcome. Because scripture says that to him who orders his way aright, to him will I demonstrate, show the salvation, which is the victory. The salvation of God is the victory of God. It is the victory of God. How many of y'all want to win in life? Nobody sets out in life going, I don't want to do well. I want to be a loser. No, we want God's way. We want to know what to do. So it says that I won't have to guess if I'm on the right road because I've determined and I've decided to pursue God only and his way. And that decision to follow his way and starts with my praise and my thanksgiving. Amen. You know, do I thank God? Do I praise him? My heart of true love and adoration and gratefulness can't help but praise and honor him. Look at verse 15. Uh, chapter 50 verse 1 of Psalms it says God is calling and speaking to the earth just go to verse 1 of that same Psalms it says God is calling and speaking out to the earth constantly say that word constantly Constantly. there's so many people that think God doesn't talk I never I don't know what God is saying I just don't know what to do I don't I don't know God's will it's right here it's right here God, it says, God is calling and speaking out to the earth constantly from the rising of the sun to this, to its setting. Now look at verse three. It says, he does not keep silent. I love that. Okay. Skip to verse seven. It says "Hear, Oh, my people here, here means position yourself through honor, through the fear of the Lord, through obedience in Kenya, when that when you hear that word hear or listen, it means with the intent to obey. How many of y'all heard Pastor Carla say that? So God is saying, hear and I will speak. My determined decision, your determined decision is to put him first. Amen. To hear his word first. To ask him, what do you think about this, God? Have y'all ever done that? Whenever you're faced with something, do you always, do you go, I mean, come on. Sometimes we go to Google first. What does God, what does Google have to say about it? Or you put a, um, one of those question things. Somebody's going to help me. What's that? AI. AI. Like where you ask people what they think. A poll. A poll. Yes. Who said that? My daughter. 
Okay, yes. You want, you want to know, should I do this or should I do this? Let's ask everybody else. But we're supposed to be asking God. Amen? <laughs> I want to know, before I judge, before I determine what I'm going to do about it, I need to ask God what is, because I I told you my perspective is wrong. All all along I was thinking that meant I'm not being thrust and forced out into the harvest and I'm not doing what God told me to do. I need to be a rocket ship. I need to be, there's still passion there. There's still passion there. There's still passion there to wake up every morning to love on your children or love on your husband and teach your children the way to go and what God's word says, that's still you're still you're still doing what God has told you to do. You're still making a difference. I, I'm I'm standing, I'm standing, I'm standing. Am I making a difference? Yes. Probably the one thing that I heard my son tell me. Um he's my oldest so I've prayed for him the most. Um and plus he battled with um, addiction for about 12 years or 15 years. Um, he's been sober now for two years. Thank you, Jesus. Over two years. But I mean, how many of y'all have one of those kids that you can tell them over and over and over? I, I mean, we all are your kids. You're just like, how many times do I have to tell you no? And then you hear, just don't tell me no. Uh, that's from a three-year-old. But um, yeah, how many times do I have to keep telling you until you get it? And they don't answer because usually, what do you think the child's going to say? One more time, mom, just say it one more time and I'm going to get it. Or thank you so much for reminding me that I have to do such and such. I mean, what are we expecting? You know, Um, but it was years later after I'd been talking to him and talking to him and talking to him. He said, it was in the silent moments that I heard you the loudest. He said, I know you thought I wasn't listening, but whenever I was alone, I heard you. I heard you the loudest. And I thought, wow. Because the whole time you're thinking, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm just hearing my, you know, hearing myself talk. Um, I want you to look at. Keep looking. Let's keep reading verse seven because it's so good. Listen, hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify to you and against you. It does say that. I will testify to you and against you. I am God, your God. Do you know what that means? I will testify to you and against you. That means I will correct you. How many of y'all know correction is crucial? It is crucial. To stay in the way that you're going and not accept correction. Do you know what that means? A crash. If you're flying in one way and you're, or you're driving in a certain way and and your car keeps telling you, or how many of y'all have cars that tell you you're going in the wrong lane? You're going in the wrong lane. You're moving over. You're crossing over. It does all the beeping and stuff and tries to correct for you. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to ignore it because I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. Correction. We want correction. Now, um, look at verse 14 and 15. It says, Offer to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. And it says, And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall honor and glorify me. 
Now, in the message, it says, spread for me a banquet of praise. Serve high God a feast of kept promises and call for help when you're in trouble and I'll help you and you'll honor me and glorify me. Whose kept promises is it talking about? Mine. It says, serve me a banquet of praise, a feast of kept promises promises. Those are my promises. How many of y'all make promises to God? God, if you will just help me out of this one, I promise I will serve you the rest of my life. Just don't let me get caught. This will be the last time I do this. You know, we make promises. I will walk in your way. I'm going to, I'm going to teach my kids to obey your word. I'm going to, you know, you know, we make all kinds of promises. And I want to say this, it's okay in fact, you need to. How many of y'all, I mean, I, I know y'all know, especially the parents, I mean, children, you all know parents make mistakes. And all the kids go, yes, they do. You know what? Ask for forgiveness when you've made a mistake. It's okay to do that. Your kids need to see you do that when you were wrong. Um, when you make a mistake, maybe you allow them to do something or you say you know, you haven't consulted God and you just make a decision. Yes, go here. Yes, you can do that. Yes, yes. Be homeschooled, whatever. It's okay to go back and go, no, God said something different and I was wrong. I went ahead and I let you do your thing and I was wrong. You're... It shows that you're honoring to God and that your heart is more to pursue him rather than to what looks like to be peace at the time. And it's not. It really isn't. You know, you're more of a light when you're honest. You're more of a light when you say, I just, I didn't ask God. I went ahead and just said, go ahead and do it. And I shouldn't have. I was wrong. Now, are you going to have a mad person on your hands? Yes. (laughs) But you know what? God will honor you. Amen. Now, in order to be a light, I know that we have to guard our words. We have to, you know, we've heard this, these scriptures, second Corinthians chapter 10 verses four and five where it talks about casting down wrong imaginations. I mean, we've heard that, and we're like, what in the world does that mean? Stop thinking about it. Don't think that. Don't think that. That's bad. Don't think it. Don't think it. Don't think it. Is that what we do? Is that how we cast down imaginations, you know? You know, as soon as you tell someone, don't think of a pink elephant, what's the first thing they're going to think of? A pink elephant, you know? Right. Don't think of jumping off of that bridge. Don't think of jumping off of that bridge. Don't think of jumping off of that bridge. And you're like, I'm gonna, everybody else is jumping off of that bridge. Don't ask Pastor Justin because he did jump off that bridge. You know, because his mom asked him, if everyone's jumping off, the, are you going to do it? And he's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, because everybody else did it, so I did it. So don't ask him that. But um, casting down imaginations... Thoughts that set up themselves against the knowledge of God. That means my knowledge of God, who I know God to be. Now, pastor's been talking about what? The names of God. He's been talking about don't just know about God, but know God. This is something we battle with every day. Am I right? Am I the only one that battles thoughts? Thoughts. 
Like, you're not good enough. It's not enough. You can't, you don't know what you're doing. You need to quit. You just need to stop while you're ahead. That kind of thing. Your light. My, I mean, like, literally, I will think, I mean, what kind of a light am I? I'm thinking, I can't even turn on my flashlight. See there? I mean, where's that? My light's not even that bright, I think. You know? But those are thoughts that the enemy will put in your head. How am I even being a light? What am I doing? What difference am I making? That's why he reminded me, don't discount your light. And he brought me that story. That story, it just, someone just sent that to me yesterday. And I thought, yes, there's so many people who think, am I making a difference? And you've got to cast those thoughts down. And the way that we do this, let me read it to you in the message. It says that we are... It says, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. So I have to think, does this thought, does this emotion fit into what God sent Jesus to die for me? The life that he died for me to have. Does this thought line up with the structure of life shaped by Christ? No. It doesn't. It doesn't. So then, and the way that you change thoughts is not trying to think of something else, but saying something else. Okay? I, and I want you all to uh, just think about doing this. You don't have to. I know I'm, I'm, you know, you can call me old-fashioned. I don't care. I, when I see this, Whenever I go, I get in my, in my chair to pray or spend time with God, I know what's in here. These are scriptures about healing. There's scriptures of healing, about healing in here. There's, there's scriptures of healing in here. There's a, a, names of God is in here. There is my prayer petition for my children. That's, that's all in here. In my Bible, I have, in the back of my Bible, I have scriptures. Um, where is it? There they are. Confessions to live by. I have scriptures to pray over my children. So when a thought comes into my head that doesn't line up with what I know that Christ's life is to be, what doesn't line up with the word, I know I need to go and speak these things. I need to go say, Jesus, you came that I might have life and that I would have it more abundantly. And it, I, I know that you've put everything under my feet because you've given me your name. So I know these things. I start to say these things, whatever it is that, that is contrary to what I know God's word says about me. Then I say the opposite. I can do all things. He is all sufficient. He is Jehovah. He is, I mean, I go here. I just go here. He is El Shaddai. He is God almighty. He is all powerful and all sufficient. So I'm sufficient in his sufficiency. I have everything I need. He's given me everything that I need. Amen. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, there has to be a submitting. There has to be a, 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 that's what casting down imaginations means. It means I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. Number one, the devil can't read your mind, but he sure can hear you. Right. He can't read your mind. But a lot of times 
I mean, obviously, we know the Word of God says that out of the out of the mouth, the it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So you, it, He's waiting on you to just say it. And how important are our words? Very important. Very important. Yes, it's what you say. The centurion said to Jesus, just say the word, just say the word and my servant will be healed. The woman with the issue of blood, when she was trying to press in to touch Jesus, she kept saying to herself, if I would just, if I could just touch the hem of his garden garment, I will be healed. Okay. It's what you say. Jesus holds the words of life. That's what the disciples said. You, those are words of life. God changed Abram's name to Abraham so he could start hearing what God said. Right. Why? Because Abraham saw his body. Abram saw his body. Abram knew facts and said, what God said is wrong. <laughs> He's wrong. I know he says I'm going to have kids. He didn't have the Bible. He didn't have the Bible. So God had to change his name. When people came up to him and said, hi, my name is so-and-so. What's your name? He'd go, Abraham. And Abraham means father of many nations. Was he lying? He's saying, I'm father of many nations. I'm the healed. Call me the healed. I am the healed. If that's your thing, then I'm the healed. If I can't, if I can't speak before people, if I'm scared, then you call yourself brave. My name is brave. Hi, I'm brave. (laughs) You know, you say what God says. I am the healed. I am brave. I can do all things. I am all sufficient in, in, in Christ. I can do all things through him. That's right. Then you call yourself that. You say that. I know that that is a... Um, when I came into um, Heritage back in 05, I thought I was a person of faith. I thought I knew what faith was. I had no clue. You know, and, and I know a lot of people will say, oh, you're, you're one of those. You're just saying something that's not really true. No, it is true. It is the truth. You know, it's that name it and claim it group. No, we call it what it is because that's what faith does. Faith calls things that are not as though they are. It calls them. It calls them. When you, when you want to feed your dog, don't you call your dog? You don't call your cat because you want to feed your dog. You call your dog. Come on, Max. You're going to eat. But I got a cat. So do I, that's, you know, do, a cat came is what I'm trying to say. Do you say, well, you know, I'm calling the dog, but a cat came. So should I be saying I am sick? Because I am sick. I have a cat. You know, I call the cat. The cat came. I called the dog and the cat came. I called myself healed and sickness came. So do I keep saying I'm sick or should I still keep calling out for my healing? Call what you want. I'm going to call in healing. I don't care if all the cats in the neighborhood show up. I still need my dog to come. And somebody's going to go, your dog's not coming. You could keep on just calling all you want, but it's not going to come. No, it's already come. That healing is mine. Amen. It's our words. It's like, call, it's like, come on. I am the healed. 
Call me healed. Joseph did the same thing. Joseph, I mean, and I'm going to close because I can go on and on. Joseph did the same thing. You know, we know the story of Joseph, how he was mistreated. And we know the story when his brothers come to the palace and it says that he sobbed when he saw them. And in our, in our minds, you know, we're thinking he should be mad at them. He should not give them any grain. He should make them starve because of what they did to him. But he loved them. He followed God. It says, if you read the story of Joseph, it continues to say he had fellowship with the Lord. He had fellowship with the Lord. He knew God. God talked to him. He had time with him. And it said when he had his son, it, I don't know which one it is. It's either Manasseh or I think it was Manasseh. It means my God has caused me to forget the transgressions of my father's household. Every time he called his firstborn's name. How many times do you call your firstborn? How many times? How many times? How many times? Micah, 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 stop it. Micah, don't do that. Micah, stop it. Micah, come here. Micah, go there. So every time he said his son's name, it was a reminder. He was calling in that I'm forgetting what happened to me as a child. I'm not going to hold it against them. Our words are important. We are the light of this world. And we point people to God with our words. With our words. We say what God says. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's 821. Um, Y'all stand with me. Stand up because I'm standing. (laughs) That's what stand with me means. Stand up because I'm standing. I want you to pray this prayer. Mm, Say, Heavenly Father, Father, help me. (laughs) That's probably the best prayer. I think I pray that all day long. Help me. Help me. There's humility and help me. When you say help me, you're saying I can't do it in myself anymore. I keep messing up. I keep messing up. My words are not being ordered. I didn't order those words, but apparently I must have because those are the ones that are coming out of my mouth. So, Lord, help me. Say it again. Lord, help me to order my words that they line up with your words. That you will show me your way. way. And I'll walk in it. And I'll I'll be a a light for you. And And glorify you and honor you. you. Hallelujah. That others will see you in me. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Less of me and more of you. Say that. Less of me and more of you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you mean it, raise your hands up in surrender, in surrender. Just say, God, I need you in your own words. Just say, God, I need you. I need you. I need you to change my conversation. I know I'm the one that's supposed to change it, but I need your help. Remind me. Holy Ghost, remind me when something's about to come out of my mouth, help me to change it. When I'm thinking something I shouldn't be thinking, Holy Spirit, show me what I should say. That I would cast that imagination down. That I would cast that thought down. And not say it. That I will speak your word only. Oh, Father, that I would be a light for you.
a bright light for you. That I would bring order. Order where there's chaos. Understanding. Understanding. To the simple Lord. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. We submit to you. We yield to you. We yield to you. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. If we can control this, you guys, we've, we've, the devil's defeated. He's, if we can control this, just this, this right here, we can be a light, we can be an encouragement. We can lead others to Christ. Because we're not saying what the world is saying, we're saying what we know God's word says. Amen, amen.